Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by DBS Solutions Managing Director, Chris Bogg. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. My pleasure. Excellent. Well, great to have you on the show. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, so a, a few things we'll, we'll have a chat about uh, today over the course of this conversation, but I was wondering if you could start us off by telling us a little bit about, just a little bit about the, the history of DBS, really, and, and your involvement with mm-hmm. the company. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we started DBS um, back in uh, 2005 now, I think, Um as a, a relatively small sound and lighting uh, rental shop uh, based in uh, Warrington in the northwest, um, we service lots of local events, but also uh, service a couple of uh, national uh, tours of theatre productions. Um, my background, I came from uh, a venue in Manchester called the Bridgewater Hall. Uh, so I worked for the sound department there before leaving to set up the company. I did a lot of orchestra work there um, and, and kind of live music concerts. And so that was kind of my passion once I started, when I started the company really, um, was to offer a sort of um, um, a service to, to initially to uh, local uh, local venues in Manchester and Liverpool, but that's grown over the over the years uh, into, like I say, touring touring uh, both one night theatre concert and concerts and weekly touring theatre. Brilliant. I mean, well, I mean, how has how has the year started for you so far? How has twenty twenty two looked for you? I mean, you know, we don't want to dwell too much on on events of the past couple of years because I think we've all. <laughs> We all know about the, the the challenges and the problems that that's caused for, of for the touring industry. But how how are things looking at the moment? What has this this first quarter of twenty twenty two been looking like for you? It's it's actually been been very very good. And since probably since September last year, um, things have kind of really really come back with a vengeance, which is which has been fantastic. Uh, we were very fortunate over the last couple of years to to um, uh, to still have a our stream of income, uh, albeit kind of diversified. But since September, we've kind of been uh, been giving great guns, really. So the last quarter of uh, 2021 was um, pretty much up to it. So that, that's our busiest season, really. So the last quarter of the year and the first quarter of the year is usually our busiest our busiest two quarters by a long way. Um, and they have been back up to sort of pre-pandemic levels, really, which is great news. And we've, we've sent out three... Um, tours uh, from January onwards. So, okay, I still have two out at the moment. Well, I mean that's great to hear. I mean, I'd heard from a couple of uh, people, you know, uh, about how this year is really well. As you mentioned, actually, from the the back end of twenty twenty one, it felt like from that point things really started to move quite quickly. That there was a sort of gradual uh, movement towards some kind of normality in twenty twenty one. But then towards the end of the year, it really picked up, and then it's kind of gone even further in that direction so far this year which is which is quite nice to see isn't it yes yeah absolutely i think the appetite for well certainly from producers and uh, concert promoters has been has been there the, the back end of last year um there i don't necessarily think the audience appetite is is, is completely back or certainly wasn't there yet um and there was certainly a, more than a little bit of a wobble in between um christmas and a new year when the tours in this in this first quarter were looking very shaky, um, but I think 
what's been put in place and sort of the relaxation restrictions is has very much helped kind of uh, audience confidence know that things have to get back to normal I think yeah so, I mean that's what we're seeing certainly in the amount of work but potentially not in the ticket sales I think but uh, the appetite's certainly there to put to put events back on excellent it's great to hear and um I think that that confidence in with, with audiences will continue to grow as well won't it I think as People Absolutely. have started Absolutely. to kind of understand the lay of the land a little bit more now, because as you said, around around Christmas time, things were looking like they were spiking a bit again. It was getting a little bit, you know, the case numbers were really high and all the rest yes. of it. So I think there was a, that extra bit of caution, people not wanting to get ill over the Christmas period and things like that and not having to isolate during that time. So. Yeah, you know, I think hope. one of the biggest things for certainly for theatre producers, well, we, we do a couple of pantomimes over Christmas and other Christmas shows um, that are in one venue for the whole month. And I think one of the one of the biggest uh, stumbling blocks uh, that, that they, they, they kept coming up against was um, was the sort of isolation. So even isolation till you get a PCR test, which could be two days, could be four shows, like in yeah. in, in sort of pantomime world, or could be even more in in, in, a, in a shorter Christmas kids show. Um, and so the loss of revenue there was like really panicking everybody. Um, and we had a couple of shows where members of cast went down. It, it, we had one show where the MD went down and we did a show without a musical director. Wow. Um, you know, and obviously there's only so much you can put in place to to sort of to ease that in. Um, but I think that it, it, like the, the, re- the relaxing of the um, of the isolation rules, which is kind of, if it hasn't happened now, it's it's any day now, isn't it? I think, or the, yeah. or, is it March? It is March. Yes. <laughs> um, then, uh, then I think that really helps in the confidence of producers um, to say, look, well, you know, we'll, we'll keep all the other things in place, but actually, um, you know, we're not going to lose show after show after show. Um, yeah. you know we can put we can, uh, you know we're not, not going to isolate no well, it's good to good to hear that things are getting you know gradually back on track um, have there been any particular types of shows or events that you work on that have proved to be particularly resilient throughout the, the past couple of uh, years yes. or yeah, yes there has okay. yeah so one of the um, uh, one of the arms of our business is it looks after uh, the audio specifically but also lighting um for uh, the illuminated trails uh, market in the winter. Um, So we do, uh, well, I think we do four illuminated trails at the moment. And some of those are in sort of the gardens of stately homes, uh, such as uh, Blenheim Palace. And others are in uh, like more of a woodland setting on private land. Um, And we've done those for the last couple of years, but certainly it was one of the things that I looked to really push back in um 2020 when a lot of our pantos and christmas shows kind of disappeared or were certainly looking like they were going to disappear um and so we started to build that market up um, we were already doing t- two of our larger ones so blenheim palace being one of the biggest um so i kind of reached out to try and get a bit more of that work and that's been that that's been even last year when we went into lockdown just be- like days before christmas mm. Uh, sorry, the year before, back in in, in 2020, um, all of those lit trails continued with uh, no more than one or two days cancelled while they assessed how that was going to work. And that's kind of been one of our saving graces, really, is that even last winter was um, a perfectly acceptable winter in terms of the amount of work we had because of the trails. Um, so, yeah, we've been very, very fortunate. And, and that that's shown itself in this year because every man and his dog has decided to do a lit trail. Yeah. <laughs> and the Christmas just gone. <laughs> I was I was going to ask, because you, have you found that your schedule is kind of fuller for, 
you know, further periods of time ahead at the moment, if that's the correct way of putting it, just where people have had yeah, yeah, shows that have needed so, to roll uh, over. Yeah, I mean, we certainly our winter going into um, our winter of 2022 is is not far off being full. Not necessarily with all confirmed uh, events, but events that we have done before that we're likely to do again. Yeah. Um, you know, our, we're not far off completely full, really. Okay. Which is a great position to be in. It's just slightly quieter over the summer. Um, you know, we just need to kind of get out and do a little bit more festival work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, have you been moving into any sort of different areas or types of events or shows that you may not typically have uh, operated in prior to the pandemic? And, and does this kind of encourage you to diversify in any way or have you very much stuck to it's, the tried it's and tested events that you would run? To diversify a little bit in so much as prior to the pandemic, we uh, although we, we have a sort of light and hire department, we were largely doing sound on the lit trails um, and we've started to venture into... Um, doing some of the uh, some of the more clever stuff so some of the um exhibits that you'd walk around and some of the light inside of things so that's that's a market we've built up we've always done a sort of indoor theatrical or concert lighting but we've kind of moved a little bit into that market as as we were able to um i think we've probably stepped away a little bit over the over the it, it, this started before the pandemic but um we probably stepped away a little bit from um, the weekly touring theatre shows okay. and moved more into a market of kind of daily daily touring, um, uh, which has just been something that's reasonably natural as you look at uh, people's available budget versus the kit that they need to deliver shows. So, Okay. I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the uh, sort of relationship that DBS has had with uh, Martin Audio. Um, down the years and I know there's a you know there's a there's a really strong partnership there between the two I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how that that partnership kind of came to be if you like yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, one of the first tours that um, uh, one of the first theatre tours that I uh, uh, and that was the that was the first time I was looking I suppose to design and supply a speaker system that was out for long enough that I um, I could pick the speaker system for the job rather than uh, having having what we had. Uh, so I started to look at different options, what would have suited the project, but also what what kind of fitted our rental company in terms of all the work for once that came back. And that was my kind of first venture into purchasing Martin products. So I'd used a lot of them in various venues before and we'd we'd rented them in from other suppliers. But that was the first time I'd kind of gone, right, I'm going to buy a system. What am I going to buy? Um, so we bought into the uh, XD12s uh, and single 18 subs. And that was our first kind of venture into, into purchasing my products. Uh, we very quickly soon after that bought um, uh, a W8LM system uh, and we bought uh, about 18, 18 or 20 boxes of that over over a relatively short period of time. And that was our larger system for um, for augmenting in bigger theatre venues that the uh, point source system wouldn't have worked for. And also for a lot of our other work while um, the XD, XD system was out on, on tour. So um, we started to develop a relationship directly with with Martin shortly after that once we put what we bought into the lineaway system and that very quickly grew into owning um quite a lot of the point source products like XD uh 15s uh a 
good array of uh, twin eighteen subs um, and lots of DD sixes as front fills. So the the whole system basically that we were uh, providing for UK various UK tours of theatre shows was was Martin really, mm. um, and we got some some great support from the guys there in terms of uh, helping us with uh, certain products, uh, both in advice and demos or uh, you know that kind of thing. Mm. Okay. Great. And what was it about, you know, when you first decided to actually purchase uh, a, a Martin Audio system? What was it that, first of all, kind of inspired you to do that and then kept you working with them and kind of kept kept you, in you know, tight with that relationship? Sure. I think the things that I look at, um, the things that I... Uh, enjoy and appreciate about uh the like the the martin ethos now are slightly different to the to the things that i enjoyed when i when i first started designing so one of the things um back in 2014 i was looking for a a speaker box that would do that was flexible enough to do uh all of the venues uh, that varied hugely in width so what i liked about the xd12 product was it had a rotatable horn so that i could use it in both orientations but also i could i could choose uh to use one in wide format and then another one by the side of it with the horn rotated to try and keep things off walls another thing that i enjoyed was the affordability of the product because it was a a flagship british brand but it but it was also uh, i was also able to drive it off the existing amps that we had in rental stock uh, by 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 just adding a processor, so it made the move over uh, quite affordable. And even with the W8LM system that we purchased, I was able to drive it with existing amps, add in a few extra amps, and then eventually move over to to you know to a different amplifier stock. But it it just made the uh, the big purchase a little easier because I could do it in steps. Okay, great. And and how how are they? to work with you know presumably once you have a company where you have that kind of relationship set up it's nice to have i guess consistency in the in the people and the teams that you're dealing with yeah absolutely well I, what i really like about that is that uh, it is still relatively a relatively small a relatively small team and i can talk to the um, obviously we've got a sales rep but i can talk to the team at martin's head office talk to the technical support team um you know the, the guys like robin and nigel and ben who've certainly kind of nigel nigel and robin have been supporting us since we had w8lm um you know and sort of know who we are i can phone them and say can i you know i need a, a particular preset for a, for an old controller and um you know and nigel will sit there and make it make it for me etc so it's a, it's a really nice um so a really nice thing to have. And it's actually one of the things that when I first started dealing with Martin, we had a relationship with a much smaller, but again, British speaker brand that are based sort of only 20 minutes up the road from us. And that was one of the things that I'd said to um, to Al, who was the sales rep at the time, is that I really valued having a relationship where, you know, I can phone the guys that make the speakers. I can phone the guys that are supporting the product uh, rather than, rather than just, just speaking to sales. And, you know, we've got, we've got that from Martin as well, which is nice. Fantastic. Um, I was also curious to know how much of a of a focus the, the sort of immersive audio world is for for you at the moment. How much? Because you know, well, I say recently, it feels like for about the past ten years, immersive audio has been a a big talking point in in pro audio land. Um, how much of a focus has that been for you? Are you 
kind of seeing increased demand for those types of shows and and what what's your uh, view on on that whole a little, sector i've done some i've done some theater products that have been reasonably immersive not um uh nothing more than kind of 7.1 and uh, you know and various surround systems so nothing uh, like 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 phase related delay and pan, you know it's it's all been level based panning if you see what i mean so nothing nothing um uh too intelligent but i think that's probably i, I probably could have designed that into the show but time was a time was very much an issue uh, on, on on the you know i was aware that those things take a lot of time to program and um, and so it's not something i've chosen to go down very much some of the lit trails can be reasonably uh, immersive and we've we've bought into a lot of the um, Adorn and CDD products to, 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 to be able to cover large areas of the trail and still keep it reasonably immersive and not all just coming from one place. Mm. Um, one of the briefs that we had um, when we first took on Blenheim was to ensure that the, the audio quality was, was, was stepped up from, from where it had previously been. And that's why I kind of went down the Martin CDD route and the, and the Adorn route. Um, Cause it, you know, it's a proven range of speakers that are IP as opposed to an IP, you know, a dedicated IP product. Sure. I mean, is it something that you would, you, you anticipate to see greater demand for over the, the coming sort of months and, and, and years, I guess, or is it something that in the, the kind of worlds that you predominantly operate in, it's always going to be something that's more, more on the fringes. I think it's at, at the moment because we're, uh, because we're doing a lot of uh, one night touring and live concerts. I think it's something that's going to remain on the fringes. Although certainly for the, like the UK touring theatre market, it's, it's becoming more and more of a thing, um, you know, and there's several shows out, uh, out at the moment that are very immersive. Hmm. Uh, you know, with several sound designers that are relying on that technology, it's not something I've had an opportunity to get involved in much, really. Mm. Okay, it's something I'd like to. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was also curious to know what you consider to be some of the biggest opportunities in the market, as you know, as we we move further into twenty twenty two and beyond. Where are the, the sort of big market opportunities for DBS? And and on the flip side of that, what do you see as being the biggest challenges facing the the company? Um, in, in the coming months? Well, I think, I think as we come out of the last couple of years, we've had one of the biggest challenges is that um, costs of everything are going up. Uh, cost of living, so cost of labour, cost of transport is certainly going up, cost of products because of uh, the sourcing. And yet, um, as we look at uh, producers and concert promoters' budgets and, uh, and, and, and ticket price, again, because cost of living is going up, it's very difficult for them to... Uh, to push that up so the the margins are getting closed and and suppliers like ourselves are getting uh pressured more so than ever really so it's about how we find uh how we deliver the same consistent quality um without 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 pushing costs up unreasonably uh that's certainly a pressure that we're all aware of um i think certainly our more recent investments into uh the way from precision products of have really helped us crack some of the uh, some, some of the more difficult venues, um, you know, some of the uh, evenness of coverage challenges that uh, in reverberant spaces that we've come across before. Uh, uh, that, that technology is making things a lot easier for us, provided we put we spec it correctly and put enough PA in. Um, you know, the results we've been having have been fantastic. 
so that's one of the one of the big challenges and that's something that really excites me is um is uh you know is getting the consistency across uh different dates of tour in different venues uh looking at the, the um like off-site noise challenges on outdoor events and festivals um and so that's one of the reasons I, want, I started investing into into Wayfront Precision was because I'd seen what MLA could do, and it was it fascinated me really. I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Great. And I mean, have you have you seen any of the? It's, it's been it's hard to really tell at the moment because of the situation that we've had with COVID. But have have you started to notice any of the effects of Brexit yet on the events and the touring market? Because you know, international. Touring has been virtually non-existent up until very recently. Sure. It's not really been a thing, but is it something that you're either anticipating to see more of a kind of come more to the fore? I think or? the biggest the biggest thing we've seen is the supply of of um, uh, the supply of product coming in coming in. I think which is hard to say whether that's Brexit or I mean certainly some of it will be, but it's hard to say whether that's Brexit or the fact that. Um, manufacturers stop making things for six to 12 months and are on catch up really. Um, But we've certainly seen that. I think that's the biggest challenge facing us going forward at the moment is that previously um, I'd, I'd quote an event with some equipment that we might not have had. And I'd discuss that with the manufacturer and I'd be able to secure the event and place the order and know that things would arrive in time. And that, that order at the moment is proven really challenging for everybody. Um, you know, it, by the time I've confirmed the job and phone the manufacturer, they go, yeah, that's great, but it's going to be six weeks. Um, you know, so that's, so thinking ahead is, is really, um, really difficult and getting people to confirm it enough time is really difficult too. They're, they're real challenges. I don't think because of, almost all of our work's UK based. I don't think I've seen the, um, the sort of uh, the strain that's that's that the people are facing doing international touring in yeah. the same way yet. Okay, excellent. And what 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 do you have on the horizon? What, what are there any events or uh, tours or anything you can tell us about that you're working on at the minute? Um, yeah, what what are the coming weeks looking like for you? So, well, at the, at the moment we've just so we've just had a talk and back in, um, uh, which is a, a show called Burn the Floor, which is a um, an Australian uh, dance company who uh, who are fantastic and it's kind of high energy sort of ballroom with a with a, a live band vocalists. Um, I've got a couple of other similar uh, shows out at the moment that are dance based. Um, towards the middle of this year, we've got uh, an arena tour going out, like it's playing half arenas, which is um, a kids TV show. Uh, and so that's and it's again that's an international product that's this is the uk leg of the international product so and that's one of the things that we've looked to again make an all martin system um i'm looking forward to um seeing what we can do in in arena spaces particularly you know challenging challenging spaces with lots of hard surfaces and solid roofs uh so i'm looking forward to seeing what we can do um on that tour with Wavefront. And that's probably one of the biggest product projects we've got uh, that's booked in for this year. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Well, we wish you all the very best with the rest of the year and hope that things continue to, to sort of, you know, uh, move in the pattern that they are at the moment. Um, and that, you know, there are, there's, there's just plenty more touring and <laughs> events taking place. It's, it's really nice to hear some, uh, some positive noises coming out of the sector. Yeah, it is fantastic. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, nice to chat, Dan. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.